0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 971 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts.
1: I get up, I get down, and I'm jumping around. And the rumpus and rock is so comfortable
2: now. Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow.
1: Bang, bang, bang. I could sing along to this song.
2: I got an A
1: little AJR, one of um, Alexa Reardon's favorite bands, actually. My daughter loves AJR. Fred, how are you this afternoon?
0: I'm good. Thanks for asking. I showed, how are you? Uh,
1: I'm i good. I showed Sue this. I don't know if I showed you this earlier. I showed Abby, too. I got the. Um, the 1983 yearbook pic, because they posted this stupid thing on Facebook. You ever see the yearbook <laughs> picture? There's there's my fat face in the middle there. You see oh, it? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's exactly yep, what... That's yeah. pretty much the wow. consensus. And, and that's what it looks like. Remember I told Todd Blackside, I said, there's a picture that we have in the front of that yearbook from the fall of 82 when we all, well, not everyone, a bunch of us skipped school to go to the uh, World Series parade. And if you would see me in that picture, I had this red... Um, I remember this old red maroon windbreaker that I had on, and I weighed more than 200 pounds, and didn't look like me at all. So
2: ah, those were the I days. was interested by your story of going to Spain and not liking the food, liking the food. That happened to Michael, too. He said that's when he started to learn to like salad.
1: Well, you know, when I go to Spain in a couple of months, I think I am going to like the food, but I was— 17, 18 years That's old That's what I mean. It was a youth thing.
2: Yeah. He said he saw the first bowl of soup where eyeballs of fish were looking at him and he thought, you know what? I am going to try the greens. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: and then the thing that I remember about that also is I lived with, uh, for I only lived with this family for like, I think five days in Valencia and they were not, like there were specific instructions for the kids that were staying with families. Don't accommodate them with american food right we want them to right you want to to, get in the culture see what it's like they didn't follow that rule very much and then they were trying to get me some breakfast like they didn't eat cereal for breakfast there was no no. cereal for breakfast i can't remember what they ate like in germany there's meat yeah well there's meat there maybe there is but yeah so i remember one morning they went and they bought me some apple jacks or something like that at the store (laughs) and probably cost uh, a lot I don't know, but the Tia, the aunt who was in the family, there were two doctors that I stayed with, and I think they were gone at the time. She tried to heat up the milk for the uh, <laughs> for the cereal. Isn't that sweet? Like, no, 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 Frio. I don't even know if I was getting the <laughs> name right. That's right. Frio was right. <laughs> hey, I got that right. Yes. There was something I was going to, br- oh, I'm going to bring this up because I hadn't heard this. Fred pulled this audio. Oh, I'm just going to play it.
0: Back to your high school picture. Did anyone ever have a good senior high school oh, picture? Oh, mine's terrible. Mine was horrible. Yeah. And I was sick on the makeup day. When he could go back and get the picture taken oh, oh, oh. over. Wait, why'd so you I miss, miss the first one? No, I was
2: there oh, for it. Oh, you it tried horrible. twice. Oh, I you wanted yeah. to get it redone. Oh. I wanted to get it redone. All right, boy. here's the deal.
1: I'm not going to post this bad boy on Twitter until you guys bring in yours, and we'll do a little okay. matchy-matchy Fine. here Fine. of the senior yearbook pictures. <laughs> Abby, you're welcome to bring yours as well. The one thing that Abby said, we mentioned this, Fred, everyone, we were all wearing ties. Were you wearing a yeah. tie? Oh, yeah. Now you I wear don't like know. a T-shirt. I might have been, might have been a leisure suit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fred.
1: God love you. Yeah. It was
2: the time. It was the time. Your
1: fault. really good. Uh, not that it always isn't. but Sue's news is coming up. and the passing of a television icon will will focus on that. But this is on a serious note, this caught me off guard. When Kevin McCarthy said this, this is kind of outrageous when you think about it. Listen,
0: do you realize that 47 percent of the federal employees are still not in for work? For the first time in history, members of Congress didn't have to show up and they kept getting paid. I think people have to show the work ethic. I think people should show up to work. And we're going to pass that bill this week that brings brings those federal employees back to work to provide the service that they're getting, that the taxpayers are paying them for.
1: Did you know that half of the federal workforce is still at home? That is doesn't just sound like a good thing. Is it just working from home or just well, not yeah. working? No, no, wow. no. It sounds like they're, well, okay. Working well, okay. That's a nuanced question, right. It right? is a nuanced question. You, you, it would, you being dis- if you think you can do, and some people are very disciplined, I get that, right? And there are lines of work where you do work from home anyway. But you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that a government bureaucrat working at home is not laying on the couch watching Netflix <laughs> half the time, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, sorry. that That's a hard sell. <laughs> So we'll see. And um, that was revealing to me. You know, look, even up until a couple of weeks ago, this is just ridiculous, but this is the city of St. Louis. They weren't doing these meetings for the Board of Aldermen in person. I know. Up until
2: a month ago. It's crazy. Do what I else, have time? Now Wait. they got a raise and they got to show up. Hang
1: <laughs> on. Let me, uh, speaking of which, okay, that's a good tie in, Sue. And you don't have to hurry through Sue's News, I don't think. We'll be okay, but I got to play this. This is Colleen pinning down the mayor. Mayor?
3: Thanks for doing a Gaggle.
1: Can I ask you,
3: last week, the Board of Aldermen approved pay raises. I'm sorry, is everybody ready? Everybody's ready. We've been ready.
1: I love how Colleen (laughs) Uh, was like, yeah, we're ready. Let's go here.
3: Uh, Last week,
2: the Board of Aldermen approved pay raises for the next group in the spring. and some people said, that's
3: an outrage. Police and paramedics and firefighters all need a raise. Will you sign that bill that would give aldermen a raise ahead of the police?
2: Well, if they approve the bill um, and enough of
3: them have voted for it, then we'll consider that when it reaches my desk.
2: Do you think it's right for the Alderman to make more than a cop who's getting shot at?
3: Well, thats not, I don't think that's a fair comparison. We're going to have... Uh, 14 less aldermen with mm-hmm. double the space to cover, yeah. um, and we need to pay our elected officials what they're worth. They-
1: ah, that's my favorite part. We need to pay our elected officials what they're worth. Mayor Jones, if that was the case, we would pay them absolutely nothing, I think.
0: These allegations are deeply concerning.
1: Does the president have any comment?
3: We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no.
0: And now, Sue's News. Sue's brought to you by Sue.
2: You know, it was Mark who texted me last night and and, uh, let me know about uh, this. That Cindy Williams passed away. How weird is that, that we just talked about that on Friday? I know, that is weird.
1: Yeah, I was driving home and my friend Rick in Vegas sent that to me. And that's when I sent it to you guys because it happened. I think it broke right after we wrapped up the show.
2: I just uh, just hate that. She was just the cutest thing. But here's the deal. I went down the rabbit hole on Cindy Williams and found out some stuff. Uh, she starred in two movies. That were nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Well, The Conversation would be one of them, right? Uh, The Conversation and American Graffiti. Oh, I guess I forgot she was in that as well. And that was in 73, The Conversation in 74. She auditioned for Princess Leia in Star Wars, even though she knew that uh, Lucas wanted a younger actress. And here's the other thing. Do you know that she was married to Bill Hudson, which is Goldie Hawn's ex-husband? The father of uh, her two cute kids. it's That's right. All of uh, Cindy Williams has two kids, and they both have the same father as Kate and Oliver Hudson. I don't wow. think I did know that.
1: No. I did that's not some, know some that. That's a pretty good Cindy Williams
2: trivia. It is. And they were married from 1982 to the year 2000. So those kids are uh, uh, half siblings. I had no idea that she had married Bill Hudson, and that was the whole story behind it. Unbelievable! You know, there was this in the past couple of weeks. We brought up the name Gene Hackman because
1: he did an interview and he talked about how you know he had stopped acting mm-hmm. um, and why he had done it. But he he was great in that. If you've never seen the conversation, that was from 1974. It's been
2: a long time since I've Oof. seen that movie. Really I good. saw a piece of it when uh, I was a teenager. You know what? I'm lying about I'm it.
1: lying about Gene Hackman. That was Richard Dreyfuss
2: that okay, we heard from, okay. right? We haven't heard from Gene Hackman in
1: a long time. He retired and just went away. Oh, I was yeah. confusing him with uh, Dreyfus because Dreyfus kind of gave that speech a couple years ago. Oh, I the get
2: that. And I feel like I should also mention that Bobby Hull also passed away. He was 84, <laughs> Brett Hull's Hall of Fame legend. father. Just a legend. Yeah. You're right. 12-time All-Star. Known as the Golden Jet in Chicago. I think I met him when I was eight years old because my dad... No did, way! I, this is
1: so weird. I'm telling you, this is a true story. There was this, this thing called Chuck Wagon Days, which was at Maryville Academy, the suburbs of Chicago. The reason I remember all this, and they had sports celebrities there. Usually it was in the summer, so the baseball players weren't there. But I remember Stan Makita. He of Stan McKenna's donut fame, uh, which is not a real thing, but if you know the reference from the movie, and Bobby Hull. I met both of them. Wow, There's probably neat. a picture somewhere, but that was the damn event that, you know, who was a clown at that thing? Who? And I'm, I don't remember him, but he was there. Gacy. John Gacy was at this event as a clown. Did
2: you find that out when you were oh. watching the thing? Yeah, the no, 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 no. Oh. I knew
1: that decades ago. You knew
2: that. Oh, well, I knew it at the time because what it became the... it became
1: news, and you know when when the Gacy thing was a story. And I'm not going to tell you that I remember him because I was young, eight, nine, ten years old. But he was there. Ew, Creepy, that right? is
2: my official... Ew, no, that is no. disgusting. And on this day in history, oh, 62 years ago, that was in 1961, when Ham the Chimp, the first animal in the U.S. sent to space, was launched 157 miles above Earth, and he survived, so then they decided to send humans. But 47 years ago today... Okay, now you have to understand, my childhood... NFL team was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now that's when uh, TB was quarterback Lynn Swan. I mean, yeah. I, I'm back of Bean Joe Green. Uh, that's Franco my Harris. old days with Franco, Franco Harris. Right. Well, who just passed away a month ago? Yeah. Oh, he was so sweet. In 1976, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Terry Bradshaw decided he should have a, a country music career. Fred.
1: Oh, it's got a long intro. You it does. Talk I'm up sorry post, about right?
2: that. Uh, this is his version of I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. He that lonesome Well,
1: I'm not going to say not this horrible. is that bad. No, I mean, if you would have asked me no. who this was, I wouldn't have said, oh, that's terrible. No. It's like, right? no way you would know that was Terry Brad. No, Jerry no a
2: chance. The me Wow, that's interesting. He's got that sound. He does, does. doesn't he? Now, listen, this song actually reached number 17 on the country charts in 1976. I never knew that. Uh-huh. It's. I'm not sure I want to listen to more of it, but it's not horrible. (laughs) It wasn't, too. Yeah, Yeah. I expected worse, I will say that. The same here. Uh, Also, 33 years ago today in 1990, that's when the first McDonald's opened in the Soviet Union. They've been there for 33 years. I remember that being a story at the time. Do you? Um, I, do, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A story, yeah. <laughs> It's National Hot Chocolate Day, by the way, just to uh, let you know. And uh, this has some music because this little tidbit, Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour is now officially the highest grossing tour of all time. Man. Well, let me guarantee you something, that
1: you're going to do this in about five or six months, and you're going to say somebody else is the highest-grossing tour of all time, is my guess. Well, it has grossed
2: $817.9 million. Okay, it's
1: also gone on for about five years.
2: Across 278 shows so far, and it's not even over until July. Right. So he may just keep racking it up until then.
1: But it literally has gone on for years. Yes, it has. Yeah.
2: Can you name uh, number two? Number two, number two highest grossing tour of all oh, time. Of all time, I don't know. Ed Sheeran.
1: Well, and there's a guy that could likely break the record again. He might. Because he's on tour this year.
2: Uh, followed by number three, and I guess it's, this is a band. It's not a new band. U2. Oh, yeah, that makes and, sense. And uh, they are behind Ed Sheeran, which is kind of interesting to me. I mean, they had giant, well, what do you know?
0: I may be wrong was was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was that a double album set yes. Do you remember the yes. I think that was
2: the first double album set I bought Those were always expensive Oh yeah Oh well, they were so, expensive yeah. Where'd you go Fred Peaches, Peaches Yeah on that's Hampton. what I like to hear yeah. And uh this story was so random today Fred sent it to me and I found it as well Okay There is a 66 year old cafeteria worker in Illinois who is accused of stealing million worth of chicken wings. (laughs) Now, she ordered the wings, but didn't take them to school. 66-year-old Vera Liddell was the food service director at Harvey School District in a southern suburb of Chicago. She'd been working there for at least a decade, but during the pandemic, she started over-ordering chicken and picking it up herself in a district cargo van. Now, they... And the extra chicken was never brought back to the school. So over the past couple years, she stole a lot of chicken, and she ended up being caught because she overlooked one thing. She was ordering all these huge amounts of chicken wings, but the school never served wings (laughs) to students because they contained bones. Oh uh, So what oh was she doing gosh.
1: with the chicken wings? No
2: one knows. That's a lot of wings. Was she selling was she them hosting on the- parties? Was she selling it? Nobody. Know- it's unclear what she was actually doing with all those chicken wings. I am unaware of the black market <laughs> for chicken right? wings. Right. So if that exists, that's the news to me. So she picked one product that they don't actually serve, and that's how they got her. She's currently being held on one hundred fifty thousand dollars bond. Chicken wings. You're right, though, Mark. Maybe she was reselling them. She can't be eating all that. No. I mean, maybe that was her scam. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, and they've come up with new research for a list of the top dream jobs worldwide. <laughs> We're not producer. in it. Yeah. Producer, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Number yeah. 10 is... Fred over there, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> Number 10 is teacher. Number 9 is singer. Number 8, programmer. Number 7, influencer. Of course, I'm kind of surprised that's not higher. Uh, Actor is number six. Entrepreneur is above actor at number five. Number four, YouTuber. Number three, dancer. Number two, writer. And number one, pilot. Oh. Very interesting, especially since we've gone through all that weirdness at Christmas. And finally, in Sue's news, we have today's random fact. Baskin Robbins was almost Robbins Baskin. They were brothers-in-law. Burton Baskin was married to Irv Robin's sister, Shirley. They had, they each had ice cream shops, decided to merge in 1948, and flipped a coin to see whose name would go first. I mean, I guess you never know if we would have been
1: okay with that, but it seems like the coin flip Robin's ended up Baskin. being the right choice, right? <laughs> Baskin-Robbins
2: yeah. is so much better. I but know. you're yes, right. Agreed. Maybe you we go. don't
1: know. Do they still exist? Oh, yeah. They do?
2: Uh-huh. Like, you could go somewhere... Mm-hmm and buy... I can think of two locations. Name them. One in Ladue and the other one at Highway 21 just a little bit east of 270. Look at that, Sue.
1: I love me some Baskin Robbins. about 31 Flavors even though they have more than that. Go ahead, Abby. I
3: think there's uh, some that are connected with uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh,
0: yeah. I think
1: you're right oh, about
3: that. Oh, right. good call. Good
2: call,
0: Abby. Kill Meats coming up.
1: All right, Tuesday afternoon, we uh, are visiting in this segment with Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox & Friends, the host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. You hear him every morning here on 97.1 FM Talk. Mr. Kilmeade, how are you on this fine afternoon? Although it's cold here in St. Louis, it's not really that fine. Yeah, it's about
0: 40 degrees here. It's uh, no delight. A little gloomy. But it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's winter, unfortunately. I just found, I gotta start with this just because I was paging through the Twitter before you jumped on the line. And I'm finding it, I don't know about you, I'm finding it, and I'm being serious here, increasingly difficult to tell the difference between parody and satire and reality with people on Twitter. Because there are some really, really good parody satire accounts out there that you would think are real and people have I've even fallen for a couple. But then there was one that just came up in my feed. And I'm not exactly sure how these feeds are working, Brian, anymore. Somebody named Shira Lurie, who said, if you're a progressive and you're no longer masking, actually, you're not. Okay. (laughs) that's that's where she is. And by the way, the pandemic is over. It's been over for months, but we're not going to lift these, um, you know, these restrictions until May 11th. So, just make sure that you mask until then. I don't know. It's so confusing that they keep going back to masks, isn't
0: it? Well, I mean, just picture this. You're not going to, you know, if you want to go get a shot, it's going to cost you a full freight now. Uh, Everything is going to, you know, you got to go back to work. You have no excuse unless your private business is going to make special accommodations for you. But if you're government at any level, you got to go back to work. Can you imagine that? Uh, So, you know, you forget about your student loan forgiveness. My hope is. Uh, uh, that might sound cruel, but I believe if you take out a loan, you should pay it. Right. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to do some of the interest rates, which I think is creditory, absolutely. But I think that's what the president should have been focused on. But why is he waiting till May 11th? It makes no sense <laughs> no to wait make till make May 11th.
1: Well, and I played yeah. this soundbite earlier this hour from McCarthy. I didn't know this. He said that 47 percent of the federal workforce is working at home. Basically, they're not coming into the office. That's stunning.
0: Oh yeah, they're gonna hate going back to work because you know they're not working. I no. mean, you know, there's there's probably out of every ten, one is putting in a full day, and now they're maybe of twenty, and now they got to go back to work, and they got to deal with the, the commute, and there's going to be complaints. A lot of people are going to quit again because they don't like the life. It's not fair. It's not fair to have to work for a living. I we know. already we went through that. Uh, you know, we, the, with the whole workforce, people just stayed at home, and there's still a lot of people staying at home. So, but there's just have it for May 11, tell everybody what five months ago the pandemic's over. But then, of course, keep doing it. And does anyone ever mention the booster? They now say statistically is forty-eight percent effective. The designer booster that's supposed to take the variant out you know, it goes after the variant. And you got a one out of two chance of it working. And so it's really not you can't even name it a vaccine anymore.
1: Yeah, I've, I've made it clear that I, I'm not... Um you know, anti-vaxxer or wasn't anyone, I'm not someone who feels that everyone that's dropping dead and there's people dropping dead is because of the jab. However, I think there's some pretty serious questions to ask of Pfizer and the federal government about some of this stuff and how it was rushed. And there doesn't seem to be an extreme effort to do that in the legacy media.
0: Right. I mean, I understand. Then that's what builds distrust. Instead of saying, having a accredited doctor say, you know, I'm really disturbed what happened to uh, what happened for the Buffalo Bills' safety. I'm really concerned about what's going on with that uh, soccer player over in Germany. I'm a little concerned about, um, you know, this 40 uh, this not the uh, not the Fox producer, but the ABC producer dying at, what, 41? You know, all of them have something in common. They've gotten fully backed with all these boosters. It's definitely worth looking into. That relaxes people because that means, okay, Medical professions working on it. I can relax, as opposed to what are they not telling me? Yeah. Why are they taking an act, uh, anti-back segment that Tucker did and taking it off YouTube? Still, they're doing this stuff. That's crazy. So that, that it's crazy. Yeah. That that just do they understand you're not preventing anyone? What you're doing is fueling everyone.
1: No, I guess they don't. I I suppose they don't. Uh, Let's talk about a couple issues here. Um, Memphis. I get off the air Friday night. I was listening to Fox on the way home, had not seen the video and just heard the coverage. Obviously, some of this was as bad as we had anticipated. One of the things that I've said and I'm Brian, I'm not buying into conspiracy theories or anything. like That's not my pattern. But I do think that there's some questions here that haven't been answered about what led up to this, because it doesn't make sense why these officers wailed on this dude so much, does it?
0: No. Uh, and they say, well, is, were they coming off a big arrest? Were they coming off? I mean, these guys are uh, going to rough areas. So we have not heard their side of the story. Now, we never saw the George Floyd police side of the story because it didn't look like there was one. We, ta- we heard the whole thing. We saw the bystanders standing there saying, get off him. He can't breathe. Why are you doing this? We're taping you. And you just see uh, every uh, Derek Chauvin just staring back. All right. So we kind of saw this. But all we hear now, the first thing I hear, unless you heard something different, is get the blank out of the car. Get out of the car. Guys, were you doing way too much? And then the, uh, the tire uh, tire is, um, comes out. You're doing way too much. What are you doing? And they claim they tell the mom he was driving under the influence. And then they started. You also heard afterwards. You saw him go to grab my gun. Right. Obviously, he didn't go to grab his gun. So they're starting to get their stories together. You heard that on audio. But we have not heard their attorney. And there's going to be a defense attorney. Go out there, call a press conference and say, leading up to that, he did X, Y, and Z. What works against him on the surface is this guy was no record. This guy, his hobbies were skateboarding and photography. His full-time job was at FedEx. He you know, he doesn't seem to have a secret life anywhere. He's got a kid, a mom 80 yards away nobody's come out and say, well, he's a little bit, you know, he's got a drug problem or this has been a pattern for him. But we do expect to see at one point when things calm down, maybe – these guys get a spokesperson speak up and give their side of the story if there is one.
1: By the way, I got to give credit to his. I think his mom has handled this all very well in, in the family. You know, trying to tamp down some of the emotions. And luckily, this didn't go crazy. But one thing that we know, a lot of questions about may what may have transpired in the lead up to the uh, to the beatdown. But what's not debatable, we've learned is this was definitely white supremacy.
0: Ha! Yeah, it can't be. I mean, if it, uh, I wonder. Despite the urgings of the of the mom, and I agree with you. If this was four or five white guys uh, beating up on a black cop for no reason, would we be also looking at that same civil unrest? I don't think it would be as bad as George Floyd, but it would be close. And whether it's right or not, that would be it. But you really have a hard time saying uh, this is racist about anything. So, And was this unit effective before? I mean, you guys saw the press conferences when they announced the Scorpion unit. You've seen some of the updates, how proud they were of this special unit, the good they were doing. And now all of a sudden they're the worst that disbanded and they have complaints uh, in the neighborhood. So what is what? I-, I thought the one thing I could get on a board when everyone wants to, say, okay, how do we fix this? The one thing I would love to do is to get the big and small departments to have some universal training methods. I'm not going to tell you how to do it in St. Louis. You don't tell me how to do it on Nassau County, Long Island, but there's some universal things. For example, are there some cutting edge ways to get cops on somebody? What is the right way to walk up to a car while watching your back, knowing that a lot of cops, cars, uh, cops get assassinated when they walk up to a driver's side window? So, And all of a sudden, if you want to earn some extra money, become a police chief, you start going, to then, uh, going around the country with these touring units, going over some fundamentals of the academy. And then, of course, you tell me what it's like to police in the desert. You tell me what it's like to do it in Chicago. But I can give you some universals, and if you want to give me some money, in Memphis, which is dramatically underfunded, that's where maybe money belongs into these academies everywhere. And I think I think the average cop doesn't mind training. It's not brutal. I mean, they, if there's some cutting edge things to do, and you love your and you like your job, you want to be more effective. If you say, "Hey, I got this guy coming in from St. Louis, and uh, that they, they have an excellent police force, and uh, they're 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 nationally say they're nationally certified." And they're going to come in and tell us the latest. This is what we're finding out works. This is some of the equipment that we're using. Let's go roll some video in and say, here, here's some mistakes that were made. I mean, you and I, we always get that. There's always uh, things they're doing. People listening to us right now are always looking to improve in their job. So that I could get behind. But just saying no chokeholds. Okay, I'm not for choking. But there's submissions. How do you How do you neutralize somebody that seems to be out of control attacking you? When, for example, in New York, you can't touch the head. All right, uh, if I'm jiu-jitsu, I'm not looking to choke you out, but I am looking to calm you down, and I'm looking to get a hold of you. And when you have Dick Durbin say no more chokeholds, okay, calm down. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. How, would you, how would you handle this situation? Dick Durbin, wh- when have you done anything?
1: Well, I think we did that. that's not where the conversation is going to take us. Maybe that is where the conversation should take us. Hey, what's this? I've heard this before. Did he do this yesterday again?
0: Not a joke. I commuted every single day for 36 years. Angelo Negri, a conductor, senior conductor, walked up and said, Joey, baby!
1: I thought the Secret Service was going to shoot him. So he's told this story about the train many times, and hasn't it been debunked, and he retold it again yesterday, the president? Yeah, do you believe this?
0: Does anyone brief this guy? Uh, and it, it's impossible. The, the timeline on which he gives, the, the guy was dead. And other times he says, I got the key to the train. <laughs> Who has a key on a train? They uh, gave me the key to a train. A lot of times, no joke, I rode with the engineers. Can I have one engineer step up and say I rode with Joe Biden? I mean, can anyone? Yeah, that wouldn't be that story? hard. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe they have my, a selfie or something. Lying forever. There, there's videos out there of him, you know, in his fifties. So don't say it's just, oh, just saying, you know, I was a double major at college. I got my law degree and I got my other degree. And I was at I graduated with honors and I had a full ride. OK, turns out he had one degree, a law degree, and he got no scholarship money. He was at the bottom of his class. This is when he was in his 50s. So what is he capable of now that he's pushing eighty? I think quite a bit is, is what it? we're
1: finding. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one more question here, and I can't even remember the story, but I'm going to have you share this story. I was watching you last week. I think it was um, early on Fox and Friends, and you, you told the story about playing Aretha Franklin, telling Alexa to play Aretha Franklin. Do you remember what happened? Because I, I sent this to Fred. I said, remind me to ask Brian about this, but I can't even remember the story at this point because I have no short-term memory or long-term memory.
0: Well, what happens is, you know, when I'm when we're up, when I'm I'm in before everybody. I'm actually in before anyone else, even on my show. That does not surprise so me, I'm, because yeah, because I got to get there. I got to format the radio show too, so I'm in there early. And a lot of times, I don't even put on TV. I'm just reading, and I put on the radio. I'll put on the Alexa, so my Alexa's on, and all of a sudden, you know, it's at pretty high level because no one's on the floor. And something I said on television shut off the Alexa <laughs> about respect, and it starts blasting it. And then the people in the hall, okay, you know, the business channel, start taping it and saying, what is going on in Brian's office? And then we kind of made a big thing of it on the show. And they taped my Alexa blasting in the audience that was set off by my words. That so is we went funny. Back and replayed it. Yeah, we went back and replayed it. And sure enough, it set off the Alexa.
1: I had some a couple weeks ago and I have an Alexa in my home. It's she's almost eight years old. She'll be she'll be eight in, in about a month. But we were just watching. I only have one of my Sonos speakers that's hooked up because it could drive us crazy. And I do it mainly for her because she likes to use it in the shower. And we were just watching a TV show and I hadn't turned off the, uh, the Alexa function. And the name Alexa came on TV. And sure enough, that thing went on. So it, it doesn't take much we, sometimes.
0: We should remember Alexa play Mark Reardon. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then have every Alexa go on and your ratings go up.
1: I like that, Brian Kilmeade. You're thinking, man. That's one of the things I love about you. You have a great week. I appreciate it.
0: Go get him. All right, take Thanks care. You,
1: you know, I miss this guy a lot. You know who this is, Sue? You'll know the voice maybe here in just a second. Oh, I missed the post. I oh. can't even tell you, man. I thought that was it right there. It was a little. Think about werewolves of werewolves London. of London, just, yeah, but that's I don't. Zivon. Ah.
2: They all
0: said
1: He he passed away, I think, at least 10 years ago. Bummer. Not mistaken. Hey, guess who's got a gig in Seattle now? Remember Faisal Khan, our health director here in St. Louis County? He's been hired... I guess it doesn't really matter what you do. You know, you would think that in this age, somebody in Seattle, like at the Seattle Times, they did this story. They could Google Faisal Khan and see what happened here in St. Louis. But here's the spin that they go with doctor who clashed with anti-mask crowd in Missouri named new King County public health director. King County Executive Dow Constantine selected Dr. Faisal Khan, the former director of public health in St. Louis County, to be the next director of public health in Seattle and King County. Khan, who had two stints, leading the health department in suburban St. Louis, Missouri's largest county, gained national attention after he clashed with protesters upset about the mask mandate that he was urging the county to keep in place. Now, it doesn't say that he lied about what happened in the instance in the county, you know. Go hearing, figure! Yeah, it it really does. <laughs> they um they emphasize that the new director's most important task will be leading the public health department out of the emergency mode it's been in for the past two years of the pandemic and on a stable foundation. Uh, so I got to play this just because it's quite comical and I, I can't. Sometimes I can't believe what people try to convince themselves of. So this is um does it really matter who it is from MSNBC? No, it doesn't. This is someone from MSNBC who. Maybe I should just play this. She, she had a health complication, okay? And it was related to her heart. But I want you to hear how she positions this. Here.
3: On December 20th, I began to feel chest pains and they waxed and waned over a period of 10 days. I wasn't quite sure uh, what to make of it. But as they continued to get worse, I started to think something was actually wrong. Um, it was December 30th when I finally went to an urgent care and was told I had reflux. I didn't really buy it, but I was relieved it wasn't my heart. Uh, My body, though, was pretty certain uh, not to believe uh, the reflux. The next day on December 30th, I woke up with severe pains, both in my chest and in my left shoulder. And it was like a tightening in my chest when I took deep breaths. That got worse when I was laying flat. All right. So she's going on and on. Bear with me here because she's she's telling a story, right? I knew enough at that moment to understand that it could mean could is the key word here that I was having a heart attack, especially because it was happening in the left part of my shoulder. I want to remind you, I run seven miles three to four times a week, or I did. Um, I do yoga. I don't eat meat. I don't smoke. I drink occasionally. Not right now, though, because my doctor tells me I can't. Aside from probably not getting enough sleep and working too much, I'm a pretty healthy person. But on that day, I was anything but.
1: Okay. Now, again, I can't draw a direct correlation, but this is a fully... Fully healthy MSNBC host, all of her COVID shots and the boosters, right? So she's got no risk of COVID. How did she get myocarditis? How, how did that happen with this particular person on MSNBC, Yasmin? Yasmin, I can't pronounce her last name, and I apologize for that.
3: I was diagnosed with pericarditis, inflammation of the lining of my heart brought on by a virus, a literal common cold. I also had fluid around my heart that had to be drained or else it could hinder the beating of my heart. I was hospitalized for four nights and transferred from a local hospital to NYU Langone here in New York City. All right, I think you've heard enough at this point. So she basically says
1: it was the common cold. It was the virus that gave her the myocarditis. I'm glad that she's so confident of that. Isn't there something out there now there? COVID can give you myocarditis, so we know that a virus can do that. But isn't it interesting that she never, in the two-minute monologue that she does on her heart and almost having a heart attack and feeling the way that she did, she doesn't even mention the possibility, and the possibility certainly does exist, that the myocarditis was um, from the, the shot, the jab. And I'm not, again, I'm not someone who thinks that the jab is causing all these problems out there with people dropping dead. However, I thought that was interesting. Also interesting, I'm going to try to get him on the air. Kevin Bass, who is a medical student and wrote a piece for Newsweek. Josh Hammer's coming up after the top of the hour from Newsweek. He's the opinion editor. I should mention this to him. Um, Kevin Bass is a guy at a medical school in Texas. He's in its seventh year. That's how the article describes him. But this is important. He says, as a medical student and researcher, I staunchly supported the efforts of the public health authorities when it came to COVID-19. I believed that the authorities responded to the largest public health crisis of our lives with compassion, diligence, and scientific expertise. I was with them when they called for lockdowns, vaccines, and boosters. I think there's a lot of people that would be able to relate to this right now. I was wrong. He definitively states in this particular piece. We in the scientific community were wrong, and it cost lives. I can see now that the scientific community, from the CDC to the WHO to the FDA and their representatives, repeatedly overstated the evidence and misled the public about its own views and policies, including, and this is important, too, on natural versus artificial immunity. Natural immunity was never, ever a part of the equation during all of this vaccine ramp-up, Right. School closures and disease transmission, aerosol spread, mass mandates and vaccine effectiveness and safety, especially among the young. All of these were scientific mistakes at the time, not in hindsight. Amazingly, some of these continue to the present day. I just talked about the person who tweeted out about how if you're progressive and you're not still masking, then you're not a progressive. Right. I saw Lisa Clancy from the St. Louis County Council progressive queen at the uh, Walmart in Kirkwood about a month ago, and if she wasn't with her kids, she was with her kids, I would have said something. I didn't want to do that, but she didn't have a mask on. I was shocked. But this guy writes, more important than any individual error was how inherently flawed the overall approach of the scientific community was and continues to be. Dr. McCarry, Dr. Siegel have talked about this quite a bit on Fox and on this show. It was flawed, Kevin Bass says, in a way that undermined its efficacy and resulted in thousands, if not millions, of preventable deaths. What we did not properly appreciate is that preferences determine how scientific expertise is used and that our preferences might be... Indeed, our preferences were very different from many of the people that we served. We created, now again, he's a med student, right? He's a doctor. We created policy based on our preferences, then justified using it or justified it using data. And then we portrayed those opposing our efforts as misguided, ignorant, selfish, and evil. Some of us in the media did the same thing. I would be lying if I would tell you that I don't have some regrets over the way that I approached the early part of the pandemic. Because we were afraid. We didn't know what was going on. We were worried about our mom and dad and our grandparents, right? But Mr. Bass says appropriately, we made science a team sport. In doing so, we made it no longer science. It became us versus them. And they responded the only way anyone might expect them to, by resisting. So he wrote a he wrote a great piece here and he talked about how mentioned some of it He goes, most of us did not speak up in support of alternative views. And many of us tried to suppress them when strong scientific voices like world renowned Stanford professors, John Ioannidis and Jay Bachacharya. I always mess up that name or Scott Atlas or um, Vinye Prasad or Monica Gandhi at the University of San Francisco sounded the alarm on behalf of vulnerable communities. They faced severe censure. By relentless mobs of critics. When President Trump pointed out the downsides of intervention, he was dismissed as a buffoon. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This was a great piece that was in Newsweek. I'm going to try to get this guy on the air to talk about it, Kevin Bass, who's brave enough in the medical community to say some of these things when a lot of people are
0: still not. Get more at 971talk.com.